yes, hello. You have reached the Voice Actors Guild Studios in Glendale, L.A. County, on the island nation of California. Our business hours are from 7 a.m. until noon, and then likewise, from 1 until 5. If you wish to leave a message, there is a fresh 30-minute high-bias cassette loaded up and ready to go. You may leave a message after the far-out digital space-age beep. This has been the pre-recorded voice of Roy H. Pomeroy. Oh, it's one of those damn answering machines. Roy, this is Jack, Jack Nicholson, the actor. Look, I just wanted to thank you for putting me in touch with Wilford Brimley. <laughs> what can I say? You were right. A weekend at his dang cinnamon ranch was just what the doctor ordered, you know what I'm saying? Roy, I feel more relaxed and loose than I ever was or ever will shall be. That's one of the things that Wilford Brimley taught me. Day one at Wilford's ranch, I arrived at a considerable fence with plenty of those warning signs like keep out, stay away. And there were some signs about the provisional charter of the island nation of California being illegal under international law. Look, I wasn't there for a civics class. I was there to relax. My driver handed me my bag and he drove off. I waved, but he didn't see me do so. Oh well. So I rang his bell, so to say, you know, I pressed his, uh, gate button. A small speaker mounted in the button box crackled to life, and I, I heard some tin cans a-rattling and some swears. After the cursing was complete, Wilfred Brimley said, you know, who goes there? And I said, Jack. Jack Nicholson, the actor. He seemed to be taken by surprise, even though I had spoken to him just the night before, booking the trip during a three-hour call. He buzzed me in. The gate popped open on some homemade electric system, like an electrical hinge. I walked up the gravel drive, and who done come a-poppin' out of the farmhouse was the man himself. He was clad in ranch wear to beat the band. Suspenders, cowboy-style boots, a proper Stetson cowboy hat, work gloves, mustache filled with sawdust chips and bits of broken hay and pottery shards, doubtless the result of a recent fall near some barnyard ceramics. He also had one of those belts for your back, called it his horsey belt. Anyway, before he was to show me to my room, he insisted I take in some lemonade. Well, shit, I didn't have the heart to tell him I already had a glass on the way over, you know what I'm saying? So I accepted with a frown. It was sour, totally unsweetened. Wilford explained it was for his diabetes, a condition I am not familiar with. Apparently, the juice of the lemon sustains him. After a few pleasant moments of porch sipping, he showed me to my room. It was a stark affair. Just a single twin-size bed, one small window, 
A bedside table with a combination clock and radio. A brass lamp. A King James Bible with several pages ripped out. The walls were bare except for a rifle on a rack near the window. I looked around, I said, I said, I said, I said to Wilford, I said, Well, what do you want to do first? But unbeknownst to me, the old man had taken up on my bed and had fallen asleep. He looked so peaceful, I just couldn't bear to wake him. He began to snore and also to talk in his sleep, and he was saying something like, If I've fallen asleep, please wake me up, I need to take my pill. I rousted him by shaking his shoulders, and when he woke up, he took a swing at me, and I nearly got it in the jaw. Uh, but fortunately, years of training for the pictures has taught me to duck when you see them fists coming flying through here. But after that brief period of misunderstanding, well, uh, the events of the weekend began to get underway and I received a wonderful tour of his ranch property. Roy, if you have never taken a trip out there to Wilford's ranch, I cannot recommend this place more than I am right now. This place has the highest Jack Nicholson recommendation uh, points ever awarded, and that includes the Poconos. Seventy acres! Seventy acres, Roy, of beautiful rolling cliffs and cinnamon trees and oat fields and horse areas. Wilford lent me the use of a horse named Sir Trotzelot, and he earned his badge that day, I'll tell you something. We rode until lunchtime. We tied up our horses and sandwiched on great big submarine delicatessen-style sandwiches. Egg salad heroes, Wilfred called them. And we played horseshoes, and he beat me. Roy, he beat me fair and square. Say what you will, for that man can toss a shoe like he was born to do. <laughs> I was feeling quite relaxed after all those mashed eggs kicked in. All my Hollywood troubles were melting away in the direct sunlight of the southeastern quadrant of Brimley Ranch. Oh, the air was thick with cinnamon when Wilfred Brimley pulled his gun on me. I was shocked. He had me dead to rights at the barrel of his gun. I said, hey, why don't you point that thing away from me? And he just laughed. He had me stripped down to my shorts, and he stole my horse, galloping away with my horse rope in his work-gloved hand. He bellowed out, Find your way back to the ranch by supper time or the werewolves will get you. This must have been the therapeutic challenge portion of the weekend. Luckily for me, my mind is like a compass, a great magnet oriented to the lay of the land. <laughs> Unfortunately, with all the twists and turns we had taken and well, how do I describe this? He's got all this false signage on his property pointing to this place or that. Uh, it's all designed to confuse the trespassers. 
For example, it might say, take a left and go 10 miles that way and you'll be in Bakersfield. But uh, in all actuality, Bakersfield would be 10 miles to the right. I wandered for what seemed like days in my purple satin boxers. My only weapon, a stick. At various points in my journey, a sort of rigged up mannequin would come popping out of the tumbleweeds, done up to look like an Indian. The first three times this happened, I nearly died of fright. But I was soon able to master my fears. Then I began to find little presents, gifts from my host, like a little bottle of bourbon or a Twix chocolate bar with a cookie crunch center to the thing. They're also loaded with caramel, by and by. One of the Twix chocolate bars seemed a bit lumpy, and when I bit in, there was a note secreted inside. It said, you can do it, Jack. Just gotta believe in yourself. The shadows were long and the sky was orange by the time I sighted the roofline of Brimley's ranch house. Boy, was I beat. Brimley was sitting in his rocking chair on the porch, whittling and a-whistling, wearing his beautiful monogrammed western pajamas. He called out to me in congratulations. How'd I do? I asked. He smiled. Best time ever. Well, what's the worst? I asked. He looked uncomfortable, like he had seen a socially awkward ghost. Hmm. Well, that explains the skeletons over by the mouth of the uh, abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> he said I could take a bath, and oh boy, I did. After I cleaned up, I returned to my room. Laid out on the bed was a pair of matching western-style pajamas, as silky as you please, with my initials, J.N., which stands for Jack Nicholson, embroidered over the left breast night pocket. Brimley's considerable bulky frame appeared in the doorway, casting a shadow over the bed, and I turned around. He looked at me, and he winked, said... They're for you. Those are your pajamas and you can keep them. I said, are you serious? You sewed these up for me? He just smiled and walked away. Class act, Roy. He's a class act man through and through. I soon heard the dinner bell dinging away frantically. Heading to the dining room, I was seated and looked around at the large farmhouse table. A young girl was lighting candles. Wilfred introduced her. Melody, his granddaughter. Obliged, I said. There was also a ranch hand named Paco. Hello, I said, extending my pajamaed hand across the table. Wilfred explained that Paco was a mute. He's strong, he's loyal, but he don't talk too much on account of being mute from birth. Well, I looked at Paco, but he was too busy sawing away at his stake. Paco, Wilford shouted, mind your manners. We haven't yet said grace. Paco demurred. The big man screwed his eyes shut tight and clasped his work-gloved hands into a prayer thing. He cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Dear lords in the double heavens, 
please see fit to sprinkle some of your magical blessings upon this rump steak, which is so good and seared to absolute perfection that some folks have already dug in. And please protect the island nation of California from all manner of werewolves and skeletons and Mike Curb-style wizards. Amen. Later that night, I was tossing and turning in my bed. The lumpy mattress, oh how it mocked me. The pillow was offensive and insulting. Don't get me started on the sheets. Itchy sheets. So I headed to the kitchen to borrow a glass of milk. I couldn't help hearing a distant sound coming from outside. Sounded for all the world like a laser battle. You know that unmistakable laser fight sound, the zaps, those zapping sounds. <sighs> it was then I remembered the binoculars that were in my pajama pocket, so I pulled those out and rotated the focus ring until the scene snapped into sharp relief. A pitched battle was taking place over the western ridge, a natural line of cliffs which separate the Brimley property from a treacherous gulch. Riding a horse and firing bolts of plasma laser at a small but heavily armored autogyro was Wilfred Brimley, clad in the same pajamas I had just seen him wearing some 45 minutes ago. I ran back to my bedroom and I grabbed the rifle off the wall, checking the power cells to see that it was fully charged. Yep, they were charged 100%. I shrugged and said, what the hell? Charging out the front door, I let loose a volley of laser blasts which struck the small one-man helicopter just under the main rotor cowl. Must have been a lucky shot because the autogyro began to whine and shudder like a 78 Buick Regal with a transmission fault. Wilford, astride his horsey, fired a clean blast of blue energy at the cockpit and the machine exploded in a shower of hot metal, which by some divine miracle avoided striking us. Wilford dismounted and the both of us pried off the cockpit door from the flaming wreck. But inside there was no pilot to be seen. The whole machine was operated via a remote control device. Paco, the mute ranch hand, joined us with fire extinguishers and we all put out the flames and kicked the wreckage over the side of the gulch where it settled with a great thud and clash and crash into the belly of the gully. So that was Friday. That was day one, Roy. Day two. After a big oatmeal and cinnamon raisin breakfast, we got into Wilfred Brimley's stepside truck and headed into town. Wilford was set on getting his granddaughter Melody a birthday present at the record store. Uh, B-52's album, uh, New Wave Stuff, real far out. Melody wasn't taken to ranch life. All she liked to do was watch the tube and listen to records. Well, we bought this dang album. 
them and then we headed over to the cafe and we had ourselves a lunch and then we stayed uh, till dinner time and we had our dinner there as well and then we headed on home we had ourselves a double bourbon and we hit the hay that was day two saturday day three we watched the big game lakers beat the celtics 100 to 11. we had kettle cooked chips which did a hell of a job on all the soft palate tissues and gums and tongues within our mouths but the flavor was so darn good it was sour cream kind at a certain point in the day, Wilfred Brimley asked me how I was doing and if it was worth it. And I said, yes, sir, uh, Wilfred, I am relaxed. And he handed me a printed out thing and he signed it. It's a certificate. It says, uh, you, congratulations, you graduated from Wilfred um, Brimley's cinnamon camp for relaxed people. So, Roy, if you get this message, would you call me back? I'd love to talk to you about all the happenstance and wonder and magic of Wilfred Brimley's camp. And I recommend that if you book yourself a weekend, you do it this year, 1982. All right. Oh, one more thing. That uh, autogyro helicopter we shot down were surveyors from the island nation of California's Department of Cinnamon Woodlands. They had no permission being out that late at night, and they knew it was coming. So, uh, watch your property. <laughs> Alright, I'll speak to you soon. The Roy H. Pomeroy Podcast is produced by me, Roy H. Pomeroy. We have additional assistance from Mr. Henry Francis Tottenham, as yet unmarried. Roy. Yes, Henry? Come on, man. We've talked about this. I'm, uh, my apologies. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Our editor is Ted Ehlers. Leaving a message in our answering machine was Jack Nicholson, the actor. This week was brought to you by Saltines, the quite salty cracker of note, and might I add, the staple you should rarely be without. Guests of the Roy H. Pomeroy Podcast receive a plastic bag filled to the brim with Czech snack mix and their name written in permanent magic marker. All content is copyright 1982, the year that it is, in more ways than one. Have yourself a righteous weekend.